Where did you get that armor? This armor has been in my family for three generations. You do not cover your face. You are not Mandalorian. He's one of them. Dink Ferrick. One of what? I am Bo-Katan of Clan Kreese. I was born on Mandalore and fought in the Purge. I am the last of my line. And you are a child of the Watch. The Watch? Children of the Watch are a cult of religious zealots that broke away from Mandalorian society. Their goal was to reestablish the ancient way. There is only one way. The way of the Mandalore. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. everyone, and welcome back to the exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 409, Mandalorian Season 2 Recap. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the grief carga to my Cara Dune, we've got Carl LeClaire. Well, Marshall, I need you to clean up the town. All right. Just, you know, I guess I'll feed my little ferret first, and then we'll do this. Um... <laughs> Uh, I'll just go set up another school. No big deal. There we go. go. (laughs) And and threaten Mithral with another hundred years on his debt. Um, (laughs) I I gotta say, I love the moment where he sees Din for the first time and he... Yes. (laughs) So good. That episode has lots of little comedic moments. It, It was a good one. Um, it's hard to pick a favorite episode from this season. Oh, see, I, I definitely have a favorite, but I'm going to, I'm going to sit on that for a little bit. Um, Sounds but I will say this season was phenomenal. I'm so glad we're finally sitting down to talk about it as an entirety. Um, yeah. And my goodness, like season one was just so good. I, I didn't, I was curious how good season two might be. And it's so funny, Jason, like a couple hours ago, I was talking to my roommate because he binged it all over the the Christmas holiday and he hadn't watched any of it. And I was like, what'd you think? He goes, well, he goes up through the finale. I felt like this is just as good as season one. And then the finale, I thought this is better than season one. I was like, wow, interesting. So we talked about that for a while. And I, I don't know, like I just to me, they're very different seasons, but they're both phenomenal. Um, And 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 I think. Some of my favorite episodes overall are in this season, but as a as a story, I don't know. It's they're just so good, and I don't at this point like I can't make that call. Um, yeah, and yeah, luckily we don't have to. So you know, we did, we took about a year till we finally sat down and ranked the season one episodes. It'll probably be another year till we do the same with season two. But gotta, gotta um, let them digest for a while. Absolutely, uh, but we're so excited to be here and 
kind of just talk through each episode. Um, and for the sake of, of time and just our own sense of organization, we kind of organized our thoughts into kind of three three distinct categories for each episode. We're going to look at what we feel like was a fate, uh, um, a particularly important theme to the episode, to the overarching story, uh, a favorite moment from the episode, as well as a favorite musical cue. Because um, as always, Ludwig Gorenson just knocked it out of the park with the music for season two. And Jason, yeah. I don't know about you, but I've listened through the season two parts one and two soundtrack quite a bit. I'm really just still bumming that we don't get the the entirety that we got from season one. There's there's pieces of music when I'm watching the show that I'm like, oh, this is such a good piece of music. Oh, but it's not on the score. And like my I'm, favorite oh. piece of music from the first episode isn't on the soundtrack. Which which one is that? Oh, that's that's the the arrival of the Tuscans at Mos Pelgo. Oh, yes. Yeah, we'll get into that obviously a little bit more uh, when we get there, unless we want to just jump right into things. But uh, <laughs> well, I, I don't th- know. I mean, I think we can pretty much just jump right in. Obviously, we we this is kind of our first episode back in the new year. Uh, oh yeah, happy new year, everyone! Yeah, happy new year, everyone! Hope you all had a great holiday season. Um, crazy that it's already a new year, twenty twenty one. Jason, this starts the the year ten of the podcast. I mean, obviously, we're nine months away from the actual ten years, but uh, right. this is just. Crazy exciting. Um, we got f- lots of fun things planned for the year. So y'all, you know, just be excited about that, hopefully. Um, and uh, yeah, like we, we're just so excited to get into this this second season of Mandalorian. Uh, obviously, we don't we did not have a poll or a matchup from previous weeks because we wanted to take a break for the start of the new year. Uh, but we mm-hmm. will have a poll for you at the end of the episode. So obviously stick around for that. Yes, please do. And uh, it's probably not going to be a difficult poll to figure out based on our topic today. Uh, But still, we want to have your input on it. So (laughs) absolutely, absolutely do. Um, So, yeah, I I think, you know, Jason, without further ado, it's it's we might as well just dive right into excuse me. um, We might as well dive right into this season two recap. Um, and start with chapter 10, the Marshall, um, excuse me, chapter nine, the Marshall, my apologies. Um, but, uh, let's get right into it. Um, let's, so shall I begin? You want to begin? How do you want? Who's who who Uh, talks first? I talk first. You talk first. How about I talk first? Since I already kind of mentioned part of my, my thing from this episode. Sure. Um, so do you want me to start theme? Yeah, or... why not? All right. So my theme uh, that I picked up, this is, you know, and obviously we're, we're talking themes in terms of the overall story of season two of The Mandalorian. So almost what what is the purpose of this episode in the overall story of this season? Um, and in chapter nine, The Marshal, uh, for me, this is the start of the quest, the slaying of the monster. And it's a... a um, a premonition, a, a a precursor of what Din has to do. It's a, he's uh, establishing himself as a protector, not only of Grogu but of others, um, and and proving to himself that he can do impressive things. Um, and like I said, slaying of the crate dragon is this the slaying of the monster, and and it really is sort of a, a precursor, a preview, if you will, of what he's going to have to do at the end of the season. Um, so 
that is this is all like a a very encapsulated sneak peek at the whole season in this episode and that's what this this is this is the start of the quest and a preview for what we get for the rest of the season so that's, that's so, the theme I, I love that that's so cool i never ever picked up on that that's that's great um this yeah. whole idea of having to slay a monster um who will eventually be moff gideon um yes. That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, similar to you, I mean, I thought kind of the major theme of the episode is, like you said, it's kind of the start of this quest, this quest to return. Um, By the way, I should say right now, I'm going to probably use a couple terms interchangeably. I'll either say Mando or Din or Grogu or the child. So I will probably use those interchangeably just as a heads up. Um, But yes, very much. This is the beginning of his quest to return the child to the Jedi. Um, Mm -hmm. And... I think, uh, yeah, like he he's he meets up with this guy Cobb Vanth, who much like Din is a man of man of honor, um, mm-hmm. and these men of honor are going to stand up to conquer a beast. And um, now I'm looking at it through your lens, Jason, and seeing it has how he will once again team up with people of honor to slay the beast, um, which yes. he obviously is going to do at the conclusion of the season as well. So. That's uh, yeah. Like this is the start of the quest. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, my my favorite moment from this episode is is that that crate dragon fight though, uh, where you've got to head. You have all the the villagers and the Tuscans teaming up uh, to take on the dragon, and then of course the the impressive uh, antics that that Din gets up to to finally defeat the dragon. Um, it's just a it's just a really fun fun battle and i know i know at the beginning of the season when we first talked about this episode um we said that it it kind of slowed a little bit here and it may be you know um but uh i i i've just grown to love the whole battle the whole fight sequence and it's it's just a really really fun um you know monster slaying sequence uh um so i love it yeah it's there are so many great moments in this episode, though. It's hard to pick. Like, there were some episodes I really had to work hard to pick a favorite moment from. And <laughs> this is one of the episodes. So, but I, I love the Crate Dragon fight. It's so cool. I got to it, it's not my favorite, but uh, one of my favorite parts of that fight is that that shot where the Tuscans are running at us and then they break the camera. Yeah. How it kind of it breaks the letterboxing, right? And it comes into the IMAX full screen. Like, oh, that was so cool. Um, yeah. But uh, my favorite my favorite moment in the the episode actually is towards the beginning. I love when Mando fights the other professional fighters in the arena right at the beginning. Um, I I can't get enough of the fight choreography from this from this show. Like it's just so cool seeing like hand to hand combat in Star Wars because we don't ever really get that. Um, So I love the fight at the beginning where we get to see him take on professional fright fighters, right? Like this is as if Mandalorian in our world walked into an MMA arena and a bunch of guys from the octagon came and attacked him and he just kicks the crap out of them, which I yeah. love. And I mean, at the end of the day, he's got the, the Beskar armor that, and it's very clear that as a Mandalorian warrior, he and his Beskar are one and he uses that in the fight. And I love the way he uses his helmet to deflect blows and he just mops the floor with these supposed professional fighters. Um, yeah. You know, you might be trained to fight, but he's a warrior and there's a difference. <laughs> so. Oh, definitely. 
Definitely. Yeah. So that's my yeah. favorite. That was my favorite moment of the episode. But like you said, there are a lot of great ones. There, there really are. Um, but, uh, and I mentioned it earlier, my favorite piece of music from this episode is the arrival of the Tuscans at Mos Pelgo. Um, I don't know if you have the ability to pull the episode up, but I have a timestamp for this. Oh, if you can, um, uh, my internet is so slow when we're recording that I probably won't have, by the time I pull it up, it'll, it'll be a few minutes from now. <laughs> so, all right. No worries. So don't sorry. worry about it. I'm sorry. Uh, but, uh, it, it is, uh, you know, when they arrive, if anybody wants to go back and listen to it later, um, pick it up about 34 minutes and 50 seconds into the episode. Um, and it's the, you know, the Tuscan theme sort of mixed with the Mando theme as they, you know, come across the dunes into, uh, into Mos Pelgo and the, the instant distrust going on between the villagers and the Tuscan raiders, um, as they have to work together. Um, and it's such a, a really, uh, very ethnic and sort of, uh, otherworldly sound. Uh, as these two cultures um, that normally clash are having to come together for a greater purpose. Um, and I love this piece. It's It barely beat out uh, what I'm pretty sure is going to be your favorite piece of music, Carl, <laughs> uh, from this episode. But uh, So I won't mention it. But yeah, this this managed to barely beat out anything else in this episode for me. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm sorry. I wish I had thought to ask you this before, because I actually there's an episode later on where my favorite musical cue is also not on the soundtrack, but I've already queued up that part of the episode. So I apologize I didn't ask you that beforehand. So no another peek behind the the curtain, y'all. <laughs> so if I don't have everything preloaded before we start recording, it, my internet just drags so much when we're when we're actually doing the recording. So if it's not preloaded, it's not happening. <laughs> so, Fair enough. Um, Fair. But yeah, Jason, I'm sure you know what my favorite track is from uh from this particular episode. And and we do luckily get it on the score and it's called yeah. The Marshall's Tale and oh my gosh, Jason, I can't get it's enough of this piece of music. Jason, I have been pumping this song nonstop since the score came out. I can't get enough of it. This this guitar riff, the way he works in the violin. Oh my god. And the 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 snare drum beat, it's actually very similar to like a typical pop rock song. Like it's like pop meets ethnic meets Mandalorian and it's beyond the sexiest piece of music in all of Star Wars to me. I love it so much. It is so flipping good. Um, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fight this one. This is such a good <laughs> piece of music. Um, I, like I said, it it almost beat out the uh, the Tuscan arrival for my favorite piece. Um, but uh, and it, I even love like how it when it sort of slows back down yes. as he you know as rides in the town again, and it just sort of quietly plays on the single yeah. guitar here it is uh, 
right here. It's just like so, such a cool Western moment, right? Yeah, it really is. So. I, I need to be a better guitar player so I can learn to play this. <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is, like, I probably could if I worked at it. I mean, I'm really good at, like, covering pop rock songs on my acoustic guitar because those are easy. It's just strumming chords. But this is a little bit of a guitar, like, uh, you know, like rhythm pattern. I'm not great at those, but I really want to learn this one. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, do you mind if I try something? I pulled up the episode on my phone, and I'm going to see if maybe I can play Do it. this microphone it's gonna be secondhand audio sorry folks but this is uh my favorite piece of music uh from this episode All right, so I don't know how well that came through. Not Did that great. Come through, I could hear. It. I, no, I could hear it though. Like I, it definitely gave me. Like it immediately reminded me of that moment though. The do 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 do. Yeah, it's yeah, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, like I said, I'm not sure how well that came through. And sorry that it's secondhand audio, folks. But that's. Uh, uh, I love that piece of music, and I wish to God that it got released on the soundtrack. I, I'm. I'm honestly going to start looking around and say, hey, so are we going to get a special edition soundtrack for this season? Because I need one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. but anyway. Yeah, that's a great piece. Um, well, so we move into Chapter 10, The Passenger, um, which I think for a lot of folks was not a favorite episode. Um, but Jason, I'll tell you what. As I did my rewatch, I really have come to love this episode. Um so that being said, maybe if you don't mind, I'm just going to interject what I think the major theme of the why it's here. Absolutely. Um, why I think that they gave us this episode where they did. Uh, to me, this episode is ultimately about showing the relationship of Grogu and Din as one of a parent with their child. Um, they this isn't just about Din completing some quest. He's not just the protector of this child. But there's actually this bond really forming between them of a parent and a child. And we see Grogu several times in the episode seeking comfort from Din. Um, literally when they're crash landed and going to have to sleep the night on a freezing cold planet, you see Grogu climb up onto Din's lap to fall asleep. When he you know, opens all the eggs later, he comes running to, to Din for protection. I mean, this is really a child seeking comfort from... Uh, uh, from their parent. Um, and it immediately made me think of like when I was a kid, when I would wake up in the middle of the night, when I was a child and had a nightmare, I would run into my parents' bedroom and I just needed to be with them because I was so scared. And I got so many of those moments there with Grogu and Din that I was like, that's why this episode is so important because it's going to make us feel even more the impact of their separation later at the end of the season because they're not just, this isn't just a quest. This is a beautiful relationship forming between these two. Right. Right. And, and this is a, when we, uh, we're going to go back and, and, and do this rewatch for, uh, this 
this episode here um, for the reviewing of season two, I told Carl, I'm really interested to go back and rewatch, you know, this particular episode, episode uh, chapter 10, the passenger, because I wanted to figure out what the point of this episode was, why this episode was in there. Um, and you're exactly right. And it, for me, it's not so much showing the parent child relationship between Mandalorian and, uh, and Grogu, but it, it is showing them what a parent-child relationship is. Um, what does it mean to be a parent? Because we have uh, Mama Frog, uh, as we call her, um, you know, <laughs> taking her her spawn, her children on this this journey, um, and it really sort of frames the relationship between Din and Grogu. Uh, in a different light and and sort of kind of gives each of them in a sense pause to go huh you know is this what we are um and it, they're kind of exploring that a little bit because while while din views himself as a protector he doesn't view himself as a parent yet mm-hmm. uh and and this is this is the episode where he kind of starts seeing that kind of relationship and it even the first time it really maybe starts flickering in the back of his mind as to what this could be, you know, um, because it's still just a quest for him at this point uh, to find the Jedi. Yeah. So I think that's all he's letting him. I think that's what he's trying to make himself only believe too. Right. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, that, that was, that was my theme is what does it mean to be a parent? Mm. Um, my favorite moment, though, is directly involved with that theme uh, in this episode, and that's when Frog Mama challenges Din and takes over um, the droid, the bounty hunter droid <laughs> from <laughs> Zero. Uh, Zero, that's yeah, what it was. Yeah. I was like, I couldn't, I, for whatever reason, the name blanked all of a sudden. But Zero takes over Zero, and um, and everything crystallizes in the one line. Uh, we fought too hard and suffered too much to resign ourselves to the extinction of our family line. Um, and that line is kind of sums up why this episode is here mm. to me, mm-hmm. at least, uh, because it's not about the species. It's not about like a, 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 a you know, a town or, or a state or a, or a planet that is the family. It is their family line. It is, you know, they've worked too hard. They're setting up this life at, on this other planet that they're going to. Um, and she just has to get there with the spawn and they'll they'll be fine. But it's been a long, hard road. Tatooine is not where they can do this. <laughs> they have to give up everything. They have to move to a place that has water and all this stuff. Um, and this is the, the closest place that they can get to, and they have to travel sublight. They can't use hyperspace because it'll, you know, kill all the spawn. Um, and they've worked so hard to do this, and that is what matters. And she challenges a Mandalorian, you know, to to do this, to to protect her kids, um, you know. And and that's you know that's my favorite moment of this episode is when she lays into him. Mm. Uh, 
and and really challenges what he thinks he knows um and proves what a parent really is you know Mm -hmm. should be how a parent parent really should be so i love that actually that was what i had originally picked for my favorite moment as well but just just for the sake since you just talked about i'm going to pick a different one and it's a very short one but i will say to add to what you were saying um I, I really like this moment as well because I feel like when she kind of – I love that you wrote down the quote from that moment uh, about mm-hmm. the extinction of their family line. In a lot of ways, I feel like this is a connection point for her and Din because Din in, a, in an interesting way is also trying to preserve the line of Mandalorians that he comes from, right? I mean they're almost extinct on Navarro. All that was left was the armor and a few that escaped. So I think in an interesting way, he's also doing that. And she, like you said, she kind of calls him out at the end there of her little speech and says, I thought you had a, you know, you had a code. You're a man of honor. I thought you had to live to that. So she kind of pushes back and it kind of reminds him who he really is. Cause I think in a way he's kind of feeling down and out at this point. Like right now it's just like, we just got to survive. But she's like, no, 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 no. It's not just a moment of survival here. Like you can't forget who you are just because we're down and out. Um, so I think she, in a weird way, she's almost being a mama to him. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great moment, but I'll, I'll just say this cause I, I love this moment as well. Um, when they're in the, uh, the, the heating bath <laughs> and he's collecting the eggs to put back in the tank and Grogu's reaching in and you just get that great shot of his hand coming in. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Um, like, <laughs> I, I don't the obviously finger. Yeah, it's so good. Like I obviously don't have children, but I have that experience all the time with my young cat. Like she's always getting into something. I'm like, Amos stop. And then she just goes and screws with something else. Um, but I mean, I have several kids or several friends with children, young children, and I know they can relate to this moment a lot. And again, it kind of goes back to that, that point we were talking about right at the top is this episode's really showing that he is in a weird way. He's becoming a parent. You know, that's, that's a very parent moment, a little bit teacher too. You know, I mean, um, I mean, as teachers, a lot of times you have to say like that, but this is more about a parent than it is a teacher. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So Definitely. good. It's um, so very good. Um, do you want to give your favorite musical moment or shall I go ahead first? Okay. Uh, that works because mine's from the beginning of the episode. Um, this is uh, from the track uh, Get the Child. Okay. It's about a minute and eight seconds into the track. Um, and this is his journey back into town. Um, okay. So after the confrontation with the bandits. So. You know, a little bit, a bit of a blending of that that Tatooine travel theme that we got from the previous episode, and and giving it a bit of a Mandalorian theme twist to it. Um, and I just love it. It's it's just a really really terrific piece of music uh, as he's walking through the desert with all of his, the the supplies and everything strung over on his back, and Grogu, you know you know, strapped on his hip, you know, in the little sling and stuff and, you know, just working, you know, just doing what he has to, to get back into town with everything. So mm. that's such a cool piece. Yeah. I, 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 
I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that's such a that way you described it. I never noticed how much there is like a similarity to that and the the traveling music from the Marshall's Tale from the previous episode. It is mm-hmm. kind of a, a a neat like downbeat uh, minor down. minor chord version of it, right? Like because he's. Yeah. He's slunking back into town. This isn't like a, a fun, festive ride. It's like a, you know, struggling back in after you had a rough fight. <laughs> so, exactly. Exactly. I love you know, it. Plus, he's got to carry the armor and that giant chunk of crate dragon meat, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love that piece of music. What's your favorite piece of music from this episode? Uh, mine comes from the the track titled snacks around the 18 19 second mark and i kind of call it the theme of wonder from this season um Mm -hmm. and we're obviously going to get it later in the season as well so the first time we hear it is when Grogu is kind of in the holding the holding bay of the Razor Crest, and he kind of like just peers into the glass, looking at all the eggs. And I was like, he's just so full of wonder right now. It's like this beautiful, kind of childlike moment, and the music really elicits that. Um, there's this sense of innocence and just you know being caught in wonder at something. Um, you know, I found it a little bizarre later that he then starts eating the eggs. Like that kind of bummed me out because I felt like it played with the the musical emotion of the of the moment um <laughs> but yeah i just i love that it, it, when he he's looking at them with wonder and by the way as i was rewatch because all of these episodes i watched multiple times the weeks they came out um and sometimes even after that the only episode that i didn't watch more than twice was this episode like i watched it once by myself and then i watched each episode later that night with my my girlfriend and uh uh when I actually rewatched it this time, so only my third time watching it, I noticed when uh, Mama Frog is going up the ramp uh, at the spaceport carrying the eggs on her back, you see Grogu running up after her with her, his arms out. It's really cute. I never noticed that before. Um, it's a great little shot. And I think you actually, for the first time, get a hint of the music right there. So he's very mesmerized by this. So I, I love that Ludwig kind of created this musical um, emotion of wonder. Yeah. No, it's it's really good. Um and and you're right that that sort of theme uh does play into to later episodes uh in the series as well. So mm-hmm. um it's really good. Yeah. So um so chapter 11, the heiress. Whew, this is a good Ooh. one. <laughs> yeah. Um so I'm going to dive right in uh again. Go for it. Uh, Go for it. To me, this episode is all about showing Din that there is another kind of Mandalorian, and it really calls into question his belief that there is only one way. Um, and I feel like the way this episode really, you know, plays that theme out throughout the throughout the episode is the purposeful shot of Bo-Katan's hand reaching down to bring Din out of the you know the pit. It's a very similar shot to what we got in the first episode or excuse me, the first season of him being rescued for the first time by the Mandalorians. And also there's the music for the armorer used for Bo-Katan a few times throughout the episode, kind of indicating to us musically that Bo-Katan is this new leader figure similar to the armorer for, for 
for Din. So I think that's the the biggest and most important part of this episode is that he is introduced to the reality that there's more than one way to being a Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it is, it, it's an eye opening thing for him. Um, and I, I sort of picked up on that theme, but took it just a little bit different. Um, is that this is, this is opening Din up to connections, uh, connections to allies, to other Mandalorians, to the child, to himself. Hmm. Um, because it really is, it's sort of challenging a lot of the things, even though he's part of this Mandalorian, you know, covert, the, you know, the child, children of the watch covert. It's very much a secluded and self-isolated experience, even within the community, um, as we saw from last season. So, uh, this is really sort of opening him up and making him sort of uh, have to deal with the possibility of connections outside of all of that. You know, the connections of, of you, know, you know, gathering other allies. Obviously, he's picked up a few already in the form of Grief Karga and Cara Dune. Um, but he's also, you know, now picking up even more with the this new group of Mandalorians. And it's not only is it just allies in general, but mandalorians that believe a different way uh and the idea that they take off their helmets is just a huge thing like it blows his mind uh because not only you know and this is definitely this is an episode where it's like oh i i realized for the first time re-watching this like oh yeah grogu really hasn't ever seen his face before like yeah. all he knows is the mask Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was just really kind of brought home to me when, uh, you know, on this rewatch, when the three took off their helmets there on the ship and Grogu sort of looks at them and then looks back at Mando and was like, oh, he's never, ever seen underneath the mask yet. Uh, and yet he's still forming this connection. Um, and there is a very intimate, intimate connection especially with Mandalorian, if you can see their face. Mm-hmm. Um, and he hasn't done that yet. Yeah. But he has to con- you know, form the con- connections within himself to come to the idea that this is okay. You know, It's okay for them to do that as other Mandalorians. He comes to that by the end of this episode, but it's still something that simmers in the back of his head. And as we'll see much later has ramifications in future episodes. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it really opens them up by the end that there, there is a possibility that there are other ways, right? Exactly. There could be a new way for him to be Mandalorian. He can still be a Mandalorian, but maybe in a, in a new way. And, and that's why I love uh, at the end when the final time she says, this is the way to him. And he, he actually responds that time. This is the way and gives his head nod, you know, as if kind of like the way you put it, like he does kind of acknowledge that, they're not wrong. And, and that kind of right. bugs him, right? Cause in his mind, his whole life, there's only been the one way. Um, exactly. So it's, it's hard, right? Like if he's an adult character and yet there's something very adolescent to him, um, yes. right? Like when somebody calls into question a, a core belief of yours, it's hard to like, be like, wait, what? There could be something else. <laughs> right. And obviously we're yeah. going to look at that a little bit later in a, in a future episode. So, yeah. 
And it's interesting that you say there is something adolescent to, about him when they call him a child of the watch, you know, yeah. in this episode. Like he, he is considered by other sects of Mandalorians essentially to be a child right. um, in the way that they think, in the simplistic uh, way that they, they think and try to go back to the original Mandalore uh, mm. way. So that's, that's a very interesting theme to pick up on there. So. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite moment from this episode, Carl? I kind of want you to go first. Okay. Uh, my favorite <laughs> uh, moment from this episode um, is, is the raid on the freighter. Okay. Um, particularly, you know, I love the whole thing. And I think the captain is a fantastic character. I love him in this episode. But I think my favorite moment from the whole raid is uh, taking the cargo control room. Mm. Um, yeah. Because... <laughs> Because it mixes everything, you know. They 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 take over the the. It's sort of a, a a last stand moment for for this group of Imperials in the cargo bay, uh, and then they they trap them, and then it's like we we got them trapped. Where, in the cargo control room. Where, in the cargo control, ah! you know, as they open the door and just it's so I love the, I love that moment because. They think they've got it, but no, they just gave them. they basically gave the ship away right there. So, <laughs> so but yeah, that's my favorite moment of this episode. Oh my I, gosh. I think I know yours. Um, yeah, you know it's it's tough because I've got I've got a tied moment for this and as well as musical cues. So I feel like if I I'll just pick one for here and one for the other. Um. All right, so I'm going to say my favorite. I, I thought you'd have this, this favorite moment, so I'm, I, was, I was bummed you didn't. Um, oh? I thought you would have Bo-Katan showing up. <laughs> so I, was I mean, like, I'm it's a I could, pretty awesome moment. I'm not yeah, going to lie. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I got to be honest, though. My favorite moment of the episode is Mama Frog and Papa Frog reuniting at the beginning. I just love it. I smile so big every freaking time I watch it. And the way they just run to each other and the way she squeals – when she sees him, we don't know how long they've been apart. That's never said. Um, wow. I imagine it's been a while, though. And the way she just, you know, like lets out this squeal of delight and they run yeah. to each other, touch hands. Like, again, like, um, do you remember the movie Avatar? It's been a while since I've seen it. I think that's I, true you know, for all of us because that movie was so overrated. Um, but be yeah. that as it may, I will say the one thing I enjoyed about it is they created this this notion of, of intimacy where a character will say, I see you, right? Like that was this this comment of intimacy in that movie. And I really liked that. And I love how when Mama and Papa Frog run to each other, the first thing they do is they touch hands. And it's not a kiss, right? It's something alien. It's something foreign to our human experience. And yet we can immediately recognize that there is a tenderness and an intimacy in that simple exchange. They touch like their hands come together. They touch in this beautiful little moment and then they embrace. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just like, yes, like this is, is so, so beautiful. And yeah, like obviously I, I'm a, I am a very sappy person. I know you know that, Jason, but if you're a new listener, you may not know this about me, but I'm incredibly sappy. And and I remember when I watched that episode for the first time with my partner, she's like, this is us every time we see each other. And I was like, I know. So that made me love it even more. Um, so yeah, I just, I love that that moment so, so much. Um, Folks, Carl loved this moment so much 
he had Mama and Papa Frog drawn by a an amazing friend of ours, uh, Michael Cohen, for his Christmas cards, <laughs> and I have one of those. So this is this is how much Carl loves this moment. So, um, yeah. and it's a fantastic little uh, little. Uh, drawing, and I think you put it as as our cover art for our Christmas episode, right? I did. Yeah, I was yeah. like, as soon as Mike sent it to me, I was like, oh my god, I want to share this. But I was like, nope, I gotta wait. Like, I don't want anybody to see this till my friends that I sent the cards to get it first, because I want them to be the first to see it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mike cr- crushed what I what I want out of it. But yeah, like I just I love that moment. It's it's this beautiful, lovely moment. Um, so that's why it's my favorite. Um, yeah. But. Uh, so if you don't mind, I'm going to go right into my musical cue because I, I kind of like cheated and, and turned this into like a similar type of thing. But because this would be another favorite moment. And part of the reason I love this moment is because of the music. But it's it's that moment when um, Bo-Katan and her Mandalorian show up to save the day. And it's on the track called Ship Oho Mandalorians. Um, and it comes around the 38 second mark. And we get uh, a really cool theme for these characters. Eighties feel or something to it, like you've got oh, like this, yeah. like crazy synth and guitar, but that 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 main riff, it's just again, it's like typical Star Wars. It's like a musical motif riff, like do 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 do, like it's just a few notes, but it's it's enough to tell you this is their theme, right? Um, it's so it's just so damn cool. I love it. Yeah, no, it's it's cool. It's a really good one. Um, I I quite enjoy it. Uh, the that was that was in the running for my favorite piece of music from this episode, but um, it it didn't quite make it. But yeah, no, it's it's a great piece, great sort of you know identifier for this new group of Mandalorians musically. Um, that you know shows that they you know it still kind of has um, you know a nice similar tone in the te- in the in the sense that it's you know music mixed with synth. Like yeah. the rest of the Mandalorian stuff is, but uh, it's different, but still says that they're badass. So, <laughs> so um, my my favorite piece of music, though, uh, unless you had anything else you wanted to say about that, no, no, um, is uh, "Long Live the Empire" um, from this episode, and and it it really is the new. Empire theme, the the Moff Gideon theme, if you will, just over and over again in increasingly ramped up intensity and excitement as the captain takes over the control of the ship and prepares to crash it, and the Mandalorians have to, you know, race to take over the bridge before everything blows up. So, um... And it basically just kind of keeps going in a never increasing, you know, ramping up of that, uh, you know, for the next like three minutes 
on of the track. So um, I'm not going to make you listen to the whole thing. But yeah, that's <laughs> I, I love this the new theme, the new imperial theme, and the Moff Gideon theme. Uh, that it's it really kind of they kind of go hand in hand um, for this. But yeah, it it really is one a fantastic piece of music they introduced last season. But uh, I, I really enjoyed this bit. Um, and it, it, it's just my favorite piece of music from this episode. So yeah, huzzah. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's really cool. Yeah. They, they do have a lot of fun playing with the Moff Gideon theme slash new empire theme. And that's mm-hmm. cool. Cause they, you know, Michael Giacchino kind of wrote a new theme for the empire too, for rogue one, which was also awesome. So yes. it's neat that they all have like kind of a martial feel. I, I think the thing I enjoy about, the the Moff Gideon slash Imperial theme Ludwig creates is there's a, something a little more sinister about it, you know, um, mm. uh, which I just I can really get behind. So uh, I love when we pick musical moments too, Jason, because it just reminds me how different our musical flavors are in Star Wars. And I love that, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, because I honestly thought I was like, oh, Jason will probably pick the Mandalorian moment, you know, when Bo-Katan shows up. But I was like so wrong. And I love that. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, it it's it really is. We <laughs> Our musical tastes uh, are very different but complementary yeah. uh, when it comes to Star Wars music. So, which I love. Yeah, me uh, too. Um, so moving right along to Chapter 12, The Siege. Um oh. Boy, uh, you know what? Why don't you start this one? I, I keep taking right. the reins, so I apologize. You, you, you take the reins this time. Yes. Um, the the theme I've got here uh, for Chapter Twelve: The Siege is uh, a few people can make a big difference mm. um, because we have we're back on Navarro and we have seen just how far this planet has turned around in a short period of time. Well, we, we don't know exactly how long it's, it's been, but it can have been more than two, three months. You know, we, we don't at, at most, um, but the events at the end of last season, uh, when the empire for the most part got kicked off Navarro, uh, has turned this, the town, the, the planet, around to a, a thriving, bustling, colorful new place. Uh, and, and Grief Cargo says that we could be a, a trade anchor for this whole sector. You know, like he's already looking to reconnect Navarro back into the their little corner of space to, to be an important place. Um, and they, you know, we even get the, obviously we see the evidence of that in the city itself, but when... They're they're telling Mando what they they want him to help them with. Um, they show here's the green zone. Everything here is safe, and it's a huge chunk of the planet, you know, um, that they've they've secured essentially uh, in the last however long it's been. Like I said, maybe two three months. Um, so, and there's a school in the bar now. So. The bar that got shot up at the end of last season is now a school. So, you know, it, it's just so, so different in such a short period of time. Um, and it's just, it's due in large part to the actions of four people. Uh, you know, Grief Karga, Cara Dune, Din Djarin, and Quill, one of whom is no longer here. So, um, so it's just really cool to see that 
evidence and the fact that the 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 four of them uh were able to make such an impact mm-hmm. uh so um yeah. yeah that was i mean that's a, kind of the similar theme i thought to to this episode as well is you know, uh, Mando's actions and dedications to his purpose kind of reignites a sense of purpose for grief in Kara. Um, mm-hmm. And his direct actions on Navarro is with with these very few amounts of people help to reshape the planet. Uh, and, and it's a reminder that uh, he, as well as the other few characters, can have a massive impact on a world a lot larger than themselves. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I love that because kind of going in conjunction with the last episode where he he learns that there's a bigger fight for Mandalore. Uh, I feel like this episode is it, it kind of shows when, you know, when where Din goes when he has his his kind of clear purpose, uh, he tends to have a really positive impact. <laughs> so yeah. even though that was not his intention, he didn't go to Navarro with any intention of freeing it from the Empire's grip. He went there with one, but a pure intention um, creates a pure reaction, right? Uh, so I think, interestingly enough, I feel like it builds a little bit more on the previous episode that we actually see the impact that he had um, with with his actions on Navarro. Um, so yeah, right there with you on that theme. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. Uh, um, let's see. Favorite moment? Um, I I love the breaking and entering of the base. Mm. Uh, just the the four of them sneaking in and you know finding their way to the the power station inside. You know, just from the arrival in the speeder and just the interaction between the four of them. Like it's a it's a group of friends essentially and and a tag along. Um, so <laughs> in Mithral, um, and just the, the humor and the, the, of, of them all. And the fact that they're all working together very, very well. Um, that's just my favorite moment. There's a lot of fun, you know, action sequences in this, this episode, um, which I love and appreciate, uh, and, and some really cute moments too. But, uh, I love, I love this, just seeing the four of them work together and the interactions between them as yeah. they, they break and enter. Yeah, it's it is it's it's like to me it's what I call kind of like your classic, just fun Star Wars action adventure. You know, I've made this point several times on the show, but this was literally when I used to play big Star Wars with my cousin um, in his bedroom, like with our connects for blasters and lightsabers. These were the scenarios we always kind of created. As we ran around the bedroom, which was like, oh, you've got to infiltrate this Imperial base and steal these plans or, you know, fill in the blank. But it just it has that classic fun Star Wars feel. It's it's great. Yeah, no, it it really does. Um, so my favorite piece of music. Oh, hold um, on. Can I get my moment, oh. please? Sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good. You're good. Um, I actually, Jason, I couldn't help myself. I had to queue up this this moment because I love it so much. You may not be surprised by this, but here goes. The wire okay. out. The red wire. No, no. No, the red one. Show me the red wire. The red one. Yes, good. Now, you're going to plug that red wire where the blue wire goes in the board. Put the red wire where the blue wire goes in the board, okay? 
but don't let them touch. See where you took the blue one off? Yes. Now put the red one. No, don't don't put the blue one back. Put the red one where the blue one was. And put the blue one where the red one was. I just love that moment so much. <laughs> and then he zaps himself. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. So so good. Yeah. Uh, is as fun as there like there are so many fun episodes or moments in the rest of this episode. I can't stop laughing every single time I watch that moment, Jason. Like I'm just like cracking the heck up. Like it's so freaking funny. Um and like again, like kind of going back to that moment from chapter ten where he's no, no, <laughs> you know, like this is a very parent moment too. And it's funny because like like I said, her you know, my my partner's a, a fourth grade teacher and you know, she's like, oh, my God, I feel this moment every day of my life, <laughs> you know, where you're like trying to give these directions and and whatnot. And uh, it's just so like, obviously, Grogu talks in his own way a lot more this season. Right. Yes. And so does Mandalorian. Right. Like he has a lot more dialogue um, mm. and the way like he's just so patient and sweet with him. And Grogu's just so cute and funny. He's like, no, no, don't put that. No, don't put it back where it was, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, I don't have any deep reasoning why I love this. It just, this is one of the, I will say this is probably the hardest I've ever laughed at a moment in star Wars in my life. And I still laugh. It's just so freaking funny to me. I love it. We were laughing as you played it. Like yes. it is so good. <laughs> it is. I, I don't, I'm not even, I can't even see the, you know, the, <laughs> you don't the, need the to visual. <laughs> I'm just listening to it yeah. and I'm picturing it and it's so great. And then of course, obviously he zaps himself by connecting the two wires together. And we just see the, 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 the smoke coming out into Din's helmet. And he goes, you okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, Oh, it's perfect. It really they is. Couldn't have done that scene any better if they tried. Um, good night. It's so good. <laughs> so so good oh my uh, gosh all right well what is your favorite musical cue or favorite my favorite musical cue um from this episode is uh from the track the experiment um particularly starting uh about a minute and 46 seconds in um from this right here I mean, when Star it, Wars it, goes EDM, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Oh man! But yeah, no. This is this is definitely uh, it's just the the escape from from the base. It's it's great music though. I love good action music, and uh, <laughs> this is this is just a, a new take on all of it. And and I think it's just a lot of fun. Uh, it's got the intensity without being super like dire. Which you you never really feel like our characters are in too much danger in this episode. I feel like so it fits the scene well, uh, but it keeps things tense and exciting um, as they they blast their way out of the the bunker with the clock ticking down on them. So um, yeah, I just I just love the the piece of music. It's that's that's about it. I don't have yeah, no, anything I... deep to say about it. 
Well, this is the great, like you said earlier, Jason, how we compliment each other with our our musical tastes in Star Wars. You know, I'm, I'm the one who wants to stand in the balcony and, and, talk about like deep emotive feelings and you're the one who's out there jumping down onto the speeders flying by on Coruscant. So <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. That's, that's what it comes down to with our musical tastes here with star Wars. You're the, you're the funky electric guitar and I am the sappy violin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is so true. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, well, I, I, my so my favorite track uh, from this from this episode is is the track "Back Together," which is right at the beginning. And it's you know it's our our heroes coming back together, Din and Grief and Kara and Grogu. It's just I find it really pretty here, the way they're just playing this theme, you know, kind of under everything on a on a guitar, and it's you know really beautiful. Like it's friends coming back together, just yeah. a great little moment. Yeah, cool rendition of his theme here on an electric guitar, but played like it would be on an acoustic. But yeah, you know, it's just this like just highlighting Jason like this. This is not an action piece, but it's just like a really cool, tender moment uh, that that elicits that uh, that friends are getting back together. So I I cannot, you know, I cannot fault you for this because it it, it almost was my favorite piece. Like it was in the running for my favorite piece from this episode um so it's a great great rendition of the mandalorian theme as the 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 three of them come back together um and the the moment that play you know while this music is playing when uncle grief takes uh you know the grogu from mandalorian says you you been taking care of you have you been taking care of him (laughs) you know that was almost my favorite moment from this episode too so Mm -hmm. Like uh, I love this this moment, all of it, everything about this this moment, music and otherwise. So I, I'm so glad that you had this in here. So I'm glad. <laughs> um, so moving moving into chapter thirteen, the Jedi, uh, Mando finally has his first encounter with a Jedi in Ahsoka Tano, um, mm-hmm. and uh, so to me, the theme of this episode. To me, it's the perfect middle chapter. It's the middle chapter of the season, and it kind of does hit a downbeat because Din does Din gets answers, but not, they're not really the answers that he wants, right? I mean, this is congruent with Empire Strikes Back, Last Jedi, you know, like middle chapters of Star Wars is ultimately our heroes getting answers they don't want and that they're not they're they're not comfortable with. Um, but what I think is really neat is. Uh, Ahsoka, to me, in this character, she works so well because she's kind of the voice of the Force at this point, and she tells Din a truth that he is a father to Grogu, <laughs> and um, yeah. and and we become aware that she's you know in a bigger fight right now, you know, looking for Thrawn, all that. But I think the reason it's so important to the story is that you have this wisdom character because we haven't really had a wisdom character in Mandalorian since Quill was killed and Mm -hmm. Ahsoka kind of fills that role in this episode and and kind of tells then a a very just blatant truth like you're like a father to him that's your role (laughs) you know um it's not my role to become his Jedi master it's your role to be his father um so I felt like that's that was kind of the, the impact of the this episode for me 
Yeah, it really crystallizes their role together. The, you know, Grogu and Din's roles together, you know, um, and forces Din to, to focus in on that and to actually have to grapple with what this has become because this isn't what he started out with. This isn't what he thought he was going to be doing. Um, but it's, it's making it difficult for him now because he actually has to admit not only to himself, but to everyone else that, yeah, he has formed an attachment and a very significant one to this kid. And apparently the attachment is mutual. Um, so the, the theme that I picked up from this episode, uh, it's a bit broader than than that, but it still fits with what you picked up on. Um, closer, but the quest continues. You know, it's yeah. like you know he, he thought he got what he he thought he found what he was looking for, but nope, the quest continues. It's it's just uh, more direction um, further along. So it, it it really does push things uh, into their next step into another level. Uh, for for what they have to do, um, but like you said, it it also really is the the crystallizing of their relationship here. Like, yeah, this is what's happening, and you gotta have you're gonna have to address it. So, and he's not ready to do that, which is why she doesn't take Grogu. Which is one of the reasons why she doesn't take Grogu is he's not to yeah. figure out what that means for him. So. Yeah. yeah I love great that. Stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that's, I love that. That kind of just broad theme you came up for that. He's like there, but it's not, not quite there. You know, it's like the great Bono of you two once said. I just, I, as soon as you said that, I was like, that's where my wine went. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love how you you always find songs for things. Um, it really cracks me up. Oh my goodness. But yeah, no, that's, that's so great, Jason. I love that. That's a great, that's a great theme. Um, uh, Closer, quest continues. <laughs> the quest continues indeed. Um, so can I, I'm going to share my favorite moment. Um, let me share mine because it's a pretty quick one okay um and i'm guessing yours is gonna be a little bit more in depth than mine my favorite moment from this episode is just ahsoka versus uh the magistrate uh morgan elspeth Mm. i love the duel between the two of them it's such a cool duel um and i love just the the not only do i like the duel itself and the you know intensity between these two characters but the cinematography for this matchup is incredible just the way that it's all filmed and the the pictures it paints with each frame Mm -hmm. are just gorgeous so um i love this moment it's just it's a terrific moment uh in this episode for me but what's your favorite moment carl Uh, because i'm sure it's a lot deeper than that (laughs) (laughs) um you know it's 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 yeah, I, I don't know if that's entirely true, but it is the moment when um, oh man, because I, I, I kept going back and forth between 
essentially the campfire scene, even though it's just a, a glow rod. But I love the mm. little campfire scene where basically Din learns the name Grogu. He learns all about his past. But I, I got to say, probably my favorite moment is when Mandalorian is training with Grogu. So Ahsoka mm. tries to get him to use the force and he kind of just won't do it. And then she asks Mando to do it and he's able to do it. And when he runs over to him and he's like, yeah, I knew you could do it, kid. Mm. You really get again, like Ahsoka knows what's up with these two. Yeah. I think for her, she understands that they kind of belong together, that the force brought them together and that needs to be honored. Um, I think, I think that's the positive side of what she sees. And then of course, as she confesses to him, she says, I can't train him. He's so attached to you and he's afraid of losing you. And she's like, I've seen what that can do to a fully trained Jedi, even the best of us, which is obviously her PTSD about Anakin speaking. Oh Um, God. Yeah. Right. And, and that's totally understandable. But uh, just to, again, to kind of focus on the positive side of what she's saying too, is, is like these two, like you two belong together and she wasn't able to do that with Grogu. But Din could because of that bond, that intimate bond these two have created with each other. Um, and and I will say it opens up to me the biggest question. And this is also my biggest stumbling block for why Ahsoka is still around. And it's something I, re- I really personally, Jason, I need this answer at some point. How do we reconcile Ahsoka running around with Luke Skywalker running around? Like, do they meet? I feel like they have to. And that yes. she needs to learn that Vader was redeemed. Um, so... I know that's separate from the episode itself, but this is honestly why this episode is kind of one of my least favorites of the season. In a weird way, I know a lot of people found Luke distracting. I found Ahsoka so much more distracting from the story than Luke was. Um, Well, I think that question that you're asking will probably be answered in her miniseries. Yeah. Her her series. So, yes. um, You know, which of course we're going to get in the next year or two now. Um, uh, which I'm looking forward to because I, I do need those answers. I do need to know, you know, if she's out running around looking for Thrawn uh, as as a, you know, back involved with the Rebellion or adjacent to the, the Rebellion, the New Republic, at this point uh, in the story, we need to know what got her back to that point because she was kind of just going to be, you know, sort of a wandering wizard in a sense yeah. at the end of Rebels. Um, but now she's back involved trying to find Thrawn and she obviously is still carrying the weight of finding out that Darth Vader and Anakin were the same person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. and what that means. I mean, I, I assume she has to have met Luke at some point. Um, I, I, yeah, I really think she has to again. Um, like that's why like this episode is, is, is wonderful. It's got so much great stuff. I mean, it's one of the most beautifully shot episodes of Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, but I find Ahsoka incredibly distracting, like, and especially with the episode opening on her, I'm like, the show is not her story. Like, no, stop it. <laughs> so, and, and they do like, I feel like by the end of it, it's, it's very clearly a Mandalorian story. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, it, and like, obviously I'm talking outside the episode at this point and I, but I digress, but I do really hope that she sees she needs to meet Luke, in my opinion. And, and like, I guess I'm very stubborn about that. I know a lot of Star Wars fans are very we're, we're all stubborn about certain things. And I guess this is one of my stubborn points is I feel yeah. like she needs to have a an interaction with Luke. And I guess maybe a way I could see that going is she's try she might try to convince Luke to not just restart the Jedi Order. Like she tries to 
paint him a a full picture of what happened in the prequels. Like, Hey, look at Luke. Like that's not the way you go. But Luke is still this very optimistic, positive character, you know? Yeah. And eventually he's going to get to where he gets in last Jedi. But uh, before that, you know, I could see him telling Ahsoka, like, no, you're wrong. Like, I was even able to to save my father. Like, you were wrong about him. Like, I, I was able to do this. And they just kind of decide to go their separate ways. Luke's like, listen, I got to go this way. It, you know, I'd love for you to help me. But she's going to say no. Like, that's t- I yeah. saw that fall apart. And, you know, maybe later, you know, obviously later in life. It's pretty clear, I would imagine, by episode eight, she's dead because we do hear her speak to Ray in episode nine. So mm-hmm. I could see, like, you know, Luke's whole, like, you know, what he tells Ray about how the Jedi fell. Like, well, he probably learned that from Ahsoka. So he kind of latched onto that negative view she gave him. But at this particular time, he's not there yet. Um, right. So I could right. see that playing out that way, which I think would be really cool. Now, obviously, I've just put myself into a box and this is what I want and I must get it. <laughs> you know, I, I, and I, I want to say that it can obviously go different ways, but that's something that, like I just feel like for myself, I need that reconciled is you got these two pretty prominent characters running around. So how does that make sense? Yeah, no, it it, it, it needs to be reconciled at some point. Um, and we could do an entire episode theorizing about that. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I, thank you for thank you for wandering with me into the the destroyed forest of uh, Corvus. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to be explored, though. It needs yeah. to be explored at some point. Um, and and you and I have so many thoughts about you know where that could go and how that could happen. Um, but let's uh, let's try and refocus here back yes. to back back to season two of the Mandalorian. Right. Um, well, so we're going to tell that for now because it's it's an important topic for a later point. Uh, but I do love that we got into it a little bit here for sure. Um, so, um, well, let's get into the music then. What, what's one of your favorite musical uh, cues from the episode? My favorite musical cue from this episode is uh, A Mandalorian and a Jedi. Nice. Um, it, and it, it, it ties very much into my favorite moment um, as Ahsoka comes back in to... Um, yes. It's so yeah. good. Um, She comes back in, confronts the, all the, the, the folks and everything, and then as they line up in front of the gates uh, to the magistrate's palace, um, and she starts walking down, we get those the, um, the very ethnic uh, instruments for her theme, um, which I love. I, I do think my favorite statement of her theme is the one of at the very end, but it's, it's so beautiful. Yeah. Here it is, I think. But yeah, I love this. Here it is. Yeah, really cool statement of her theme there. Yeah. So. But yeah, it, it, it's just a fun piece of music. And, you know, it just goes to show. I love the action cues. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I'll say one of the things that I've, again, found missing off the score is uh, when Mandalorian is ha- talking with, um, oh my gosh, what's the, is it the Magistrate? Is that her name? Yes, the Magistrate. Um, uh, Morgan Elsbeth. Who's an awesome character. Um, when yeah. when Mandalorian is having his conversation with her and she's, you know, basically enlisting him to to hunt down Ahsoka, the music underneath that, and it's interesting, I've... I've, I've have two TVs in my house. 
Um, one of my TVs is older than the other. And the newer TV obviously has a much better sound on it. And I never picked this up because normally my, my older TV is actually in my Star Wars room. That's usually where I watch Star Wars stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I was watching it when I was doing my rewatch on my, on my newer TV just because it's better picture, better audio. When they're having that conversation, the music that's playing under it, it's, it's somewhat similar to the beginning of the piece that I just played for you, Jason. Um, but th- it's this really cool Eastern sounding music on a lot of like, um, like these, these, uh, wood instruments that are kind of like being drummed on. It sounds very Japanese, which is obviously all the visuals are giving us. It's, you know, very, uh, Kurosawa. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I was so bummed that that particular point of the music's not on the score either. Cause it's, it's really, really cool. And again, just shows how much Ludwig really understands, uh, the visual storytelling and how he's perfectly orchestrating it. Um, so yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's really really good. He's really good at what he's doing, and I love. I I, I haven't disliked a single note that he's written so far. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> it's just how much do I love this one? Is is usually the question. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, which? What is your favorite? Uh, piece of music from this episode? Uh, well, mine, of course, comes from the track called The Story, and it starts at the th- uh, three and a half minute mark. And it's it's actually the music from that moment, I, my favorite moment here. The way Mando's, again, this, this guitar riff is very similar to the force being used in Chapter 2, The Child, when the child first uses the force. And this is him convincing the child to use the force with him way it's being played on that guitar is just so cool the strings kind of elevating the tension as, as grogu finally commits to doing it it's just oh, brilliant absolutely brilliant yeah. and then he does it and then boom you get the you know that 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 mando th- little the the two note mando theme <laughs> you know yeah um i just i i love it so much um do I got to say quick shout out to like the fact that we get a couple notes of Yoda's theme when she mentions Yoda too. Obviously I loved that. Yes. Um, yeah. That was really cool. Um, yeah. Considering Yoda's theme is my favorite piece of star Wars music. It was awesome to hear it in Mandalorian. I was almost surprised that wasn't your favorite piece. The, in the episode. Jason, the only reason it wasn't is because I was like, I want to pick something that's unique to Mandalorian. Right. Um, Fair enough. So, but yeah, uh, but, and, and I do though, like I love the way he builds the tension there. And again, like, he goes to like a very similar guitar riff that he used in the child. Um, and I kind of actually talked about this for the music that he uses for when Luke shows up. Uh, I did a kind of little special episode last week about one of the songs. Um, so again, I really hope David W. Collins does an episode on the Mandalorian music at some point. Cause again, he can, he can speak to this intelligently, whereas I'm just throwing out my thoughts. Like he can actually give good reasons. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's that's I'm my sure he will eventually. Yeah, I, I hope so. Um, but cool. Uh, well, that takes us to chapter 14, the tragedy, a tragedy. Uh, um, so what do you think the theme was for this episode? Uh, the loss of everything. Yes. Like it really is. It, yeah. He loses everything. He loses his heart. He loses his his home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and along the way picks up some additional things some new things some friends uh and uh, and a purpose um but it really is just everything is taken from him again you know he had that taken when the covert was destroyed um previous 
but now it's happening again, except it's more personal. Uh, you know, yeah. that Grogu is, is ripped from him practically and his ship, which has been his home is just obliterated. You know, there's nothing left except the little ball yeah, and his spear. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that's, that's basically what I have. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I said the same thing. It's, it's, he loses everything. Um, and, and, and there's also that sense of helplessness, you know, yeah. he's helpless as he watches the razor crest get destroyed. He's helpless as he's watched, as he watches Grogu taken by the dark troopers. Um, so, you know, it, it leaves us with the question is, is who is Din Djarin when he loses everything? You know, what yeah. does he choose to be? How does he choose to react? Um, and I mean, obviously we'll talk about it in, in a minute here, but in the next two episodes, we see he's a pretty amazing person. Um, mm-hmm. But right here, he, he just he loses everything. And I, I love the way you put it, Jason, his heart in his home. Because it's true. Grogu is his heart and the Razor Crest was his home. Um, yeah. So, and that's why, uh, I mean, I'm going to give a spoiler to our poll for next week, but this, that's why this is my favorite episode of the season. Um, it's, it's actually my second favorite episode in all of Mandalorian. Like I put it just below the child. Um, it's because I don't think there's anything more human than that, that feeling of losing everything. You know, we've all been there where we feel like we've lost everything. Um, and for all of us, that's going to mean different things. I'm sure lots of folks have lost literally everything you know it could their job their house their livelihood who knows i mean and then there's some of us who are a little more fortunate where it's something different but we all know that experience of losing our heart in our home um and uh yeah uh, my heart just breaks for din in this episode um and i love i love when my heart breaks because that's i I love feeling so (laughs) and that's a strong feeling so (laughs) um yeah. So, well, what's your favorite moment in the episode then? Oh, uh, my favorite moment in this episode is the end of the episode, Moff Gideon and Grogu. Ugh. Um, Ugh. God, I, you know, Ugh. just the the uh, you know, from starting from Grogu, you know, tossing the stormtroopers around, um, and then the moth, you know, leaning in and talking with him and uh, showing him the lightsaber and, and, you know, all this stuff, it, it, the dark saber. Um, Gideon was a cool villain at the end of last season, but like he, you know, everything elevates in this season. He gets so amazing. Like I love Gideon as a villain and it's moments like this where he just takes the time to talk to the child Mm -hmm. and it's like i'm going to do this and you're going to give things to me (laughs) and this is just how things are going to be and you know he and he just he taunts the child with the dark saber just out of reach uh, 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 you know and it's i i i i love it it's so nasty Mm -hmm. and, and dirty but it's so good in, <laughs> in what it makes us have to defeat. You know, like I said at the beginning, we already know Din can slay monsters. We're creating another one right here, and this is the evidence of it. So, um, 
but yeah, I love that scene. I love I, I love seeing uh, Grogu finally go. Okay, yeah, I'm going to use the Force again um, when you know trying to to defend himself and and just you know express his frustrations at this point. Um, but then you know just seeing how how Moff Gideon handles all of that and and how he he just ah oh, it's so so. I, I want to punch him in the face, uh, <laughs> but I love that it makes me want to do that. So uh, it's such a great scene. It's yeah. such a great scene. Uh, I, it, it's so funny you bring that one up because uh, when I was talking with my roommate tonight, he said that uh, he because he asked me, he goes, why doesn't he goes, why doesn't Grogu use the force on him in that moment? And I was like, well, it, it, they kind of pointed out like he used he used it to toss the stormtroopers around. He's, he just doesn't have the energy left. Right. And I think that was also explored in the previous episode with uh, Ahsoka, where she basically says, like, his powers are diminishing because he's not using them. Right. Um, and uh, and, and we, you, saw it last we saw last season with the uh, the Mudhorn. Right. You it know, took everything from him. Um, he passed out for hours, maybe a day. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and what's, you know, and it is, you do see Grogu reaching his hand up like he's trying to force choke Gideon, but he's just mm-hmm. like, ah, uh-uh, made you oh so sleepy, <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, I I love to hate that moment. Like, it's a great, like, like his little pants as he collapses, it breaks my freaking heart. I can't with it. It's little oh. gro- little Grogu pants are like this, the little, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so sad, God. Uh, but but that's like the mark of a great villain, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, oh yeah, no, uh, Moff Gideon is right up there with the likes of Tarkin and uh, Director Krennic, and you know those kinds of villains. He's right there with them. Like, yeah, oh, so good, yeah, so very good. John Carlo Esposito, I love to hate your character. Thank yeah. you so much. I mean, when he plays Gus Fring in Breaking Bad, I I didn't really see him in Better Call Saul because I kind of gave up on the show before he got into it. But he's so good as Gus Fring in Breaking Bad. I mean, he's he's a great villain. I'd be I'd love to see him play a good guy. (laughs) You know, I feel like it'll be hard for us to get our mind around that because he just plays such a good villain. Um, but yeah, no, that's a great moment, Jason. Um, what's your favorite moment from this episode? Uh, it's it's towards the end of the episode as well. And it's when, uh, Din is picking around the remains of his destroyed ship. Uh, the music that plays during that moment is just so, again, you get a very sad rendition of his theme. Um, and again, it's just like, it's a reminder once again, that he's lost everything. And when he, when he picks up that ball, it immediately just reminds him of Grogu. He tucks it into his belt. It's the one keepsake he holds dear. And I also love this moment because of the way they shoot Boba in this ep- in this part of the episode, the way he's watching Din with this almost look of empathy on his face. Um, and again, it, to me, it conjures and like when he comes walking out of the rubble, he says, look, like he wants to sh- I want to show you something. And he shows him the chain code. Um, I feel like when he's watching Din in that moment and, and Din, he knows Din lost his child, it immediately brings back all of his, his own feelings about being Django's son. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's what endears him to Din. Uh, so I really love that moment. First and foremost, just watching Din pick through the remains of his shattered life, but also watching this kind of hardened badass like Boba Fett find some empathy in his heart 
for this guy in this moment. Um, so I, I just, I, it's just such a great moment to me. Yeah, it really is. It's a good one. Um, yeah, it, it, like I said, he loses everything, and and this is the moment that we get to to see him process that. So, yeah, it's very. Um, my favorite piece of music from this episode um, is uh, "Capture the Flag." Mm-hmm. Um, I love the the back and forth between the action cues uh, and then the shots back to um, the Seeing Stone. You know, the the music that plays as the Seeing Stone is is in view. Is this yeah, very much an angelic kind of thing. But then you have that you know transposed against Boba theme, which is so cool. So um, yeah. Uh, this is just a great piece of music. It really is. Yeah, right? So go from the angelic to like this military combat music. Yeah. Great inter- interplay between them. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I'm going to just follow up, follow suit with you right, right quick because my favorite piece of music comes from this track as well, Capture the Flag. And it is... Uh, kind of the first full statement of the Boba Fett theme that we get for the show. Oh, like the, oh my gosh, that Boba Fett theme is so freaking cool. Um, it really is. Yeah, it's my brother. It's my brother's favorite theme from the entire show. Oh, cool! Um, Very yeah. cool. Yeah, it's there's something almost like barbaric to it, you know. Yeah, and he fights like a barbarian with that, you know, with the gaffy stick and the way he's just shattering stormtrooper helmets and piercing it's their hearts. Brutal. Yeah. Just absolutely brutal. Yeah, I, and you can feel that in the music. Yes. And one thing I keep meaning to do, and I just still haven't, is I keep meaning to go back to the Empire Strikes Back score and cue up the little motif that John Williams wrote for Boba Fett to see if there's any similarities between these two pieces of music. I don't think that there is, um, but uh, I'd just be curious to see if there is. I mean, yeah. uh, I don't know if Ludwig would know that little motif or not, because it's small. I mean, it, we only hear it like twice in the entire movie. Um, and it, again, it's just a little motif of a few notes, but... Uh, I don't think it really matters because I I do think Boba Fett is a new character at this point anyway. Coming out of the Sarlacc pit has changed him. Again, I'm still a little nervous with what they chose to do with him to close the season and what we might get with the Boba Fett story. But I really liked this episode because it gave us an empathetic, somewhat compassionate Boba Fett, like to show that his time in the Sarlacc, like, yes, he's still a brutal warrior, but there might be some humanity to him. So I I hope we get to preserve that. So, yeah, but, the, but this music is perfect for him and, and, and especially his fighting style. Yeah, definitely. It's really good. Um, Here we go. Uh, penultimate episode. Yes. And it's a damn good one. Chapter oh. 15, the believer. Yes, it is. Um, so, uh, story theme. What is it, Jason? Um, finding out who and what is who or what is more important. Mm. Uh, this is when everything is put to the test and Din has to decide what's more important to him is, you know, creed 
from a Mandalorian covert that is essentially he is the final remaining member of, as far as he knows, or Grogu. What's more important? And he makes the decision. It's clear. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it exactly. You know, right. I mean, it's pretty clear what that theme is, 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 is the believer, I believe, is him. But what does he choose to believe in and how does he choose to believe um, is really what this episode is about is um, he's, you know, he's willing to forego this strict interpretation of a code of conduct that he grew up with. Um, mm-hmm. He's willing to set that aside for someone that he loves. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty darn clear. <laughs> it's very clear. Um, and I want to say this because I'm not going to probably talk about him a ton in the next couple of minutes here, just because it doesn't fall into the categories we're talking about. But Mayfeld was awesome in this episode. I kind of hated his character in, in chapter six. Um, and I also kind of hated that it was Bill Burr. Um, like I'm not a huge Bill Burr fan. I don't need a Boston accent in star Wars. It's weird. <laughs> like I, I felt like I heard one of the local cops talking on the street corner or something when I was watching chapter six and, and also his outfit in chapter six. Like it's this weird, like knockoff star Wars costume. Like it's something you'd grab at Walmart, <laughs> but, um, I just didn't like his character and I did a complete 180 with this episode. Um, I loved him in this episode and in a weird way, Bill Burr was the perfect actor to play this part because that's who Bill Burr is in his comedy. He's kind of this irreverent, sarcastic, skeptical comic. And I felt like in a, in a, I think the reason Mayfeld was such a good fit for him specifically in this episode is because it was just like, Hey, be yourself. (laughs) So, because that's who Bill Burr is. Yeah. Well, I'm going to continue on that with, um, my favorite moment from this episode uh, because it is uh, Mayfeld and Valen Hest Mm. having a conversation across the table. I love this moment because the tension is just right. Valen Hest is the most disgusting example of an arrogant Imperial officer that you can get. And it's perfect. Mm. Uh, You know, and it it shows, you know, it obviously tells us that, you know, there's a reason why he's an ex-Imperial sharpshooter, uh, Mayfeld, um, is an ex-Imperial sharpshooter because of this moment. We finally figure out why he left uh, because of Operation Cinder and his part in it and what happened on the mission he was a part of. Uh, not only the deaths of an entire city, um, but his entire platoon, all the people that he fought and, you know, lived alongside um, and the one who made that decision is sitting to, to, to do all that is sitting right across the table from him and is not sorry for any of it. Um, you know, and, and obviously as we see it, he, he can't take it anymore. And, uh, they end up having to blast their way out of the, <laughs> the, the base because of it. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's my favorite scene in the entire episode is, is him having the, the, you know, this verbal sparring match. Uh, you know, it reminds me a little bit of Obi-Wan and Django, uh, in attack of the clones. Um, but it's, it's deeper and more raw and you get Imperial platitudes versus a lived experience. Mm. And, um, 
and Mayfeld can't handle it. And uh, yeah, it's such a, such a good scene. It's my favorite scene of this episode. That's awesome. It really is a great, uh, such a great scene. And, and again, I know a lot of folks probably know this, but the, the actor, I don't remember his name that plays Valen Hess is also the same actor that played the night King in game of Thrones. Um, which is pull awesome. that up real quick. Okay. <laughs> um, I've got Vicky open. So nice. <laughs> for moments like this, uh, <laughs> that is Richard Brake. Cool. Um, but yeah, he is he, perfectly cast for that particular scene uh, or for, excuse me for that particular character. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's just so good. Um, but uh, my favorite moment isn't long before that. And it's the moment when uh, Din just pulls the helmet off when he needs to, <sighs> you know, the facial recognition. Um, I really feel like this episode was building to that, right? You already had Mayfeld asking the question, you know, well, so what is it? Can you not take your helmet off or you just can't show your face? Cause there is a difference. Um, you know, I, and I love that moment, just that impulsive, like, uh Oh, the computer's going to shut down and it's going to make a lot of noise and give me away. He just, right. It's not even, it's, you know, he's had a lifetime of this code and this creed in his head, but, in that instant, it's just like Grogu. Got to take that helmet off. Grogu, I love him. <laughs> the helmet yep. comes right off, like without yep. hesitation. Um, and I love it. And I love how I love how Mayfeld sees that. I love that Mayfeld sees him from behind with the helmet off, because. And this is part of the reason I love Mayfeld so much. Is Mayfeld is scared in the moment, like he doesn't want to be found out because he'll be brought in as a deserter. Mm-hmm. As soon as Den walks into that mess. Mayfeld could have just left, right? He could have just skedaddled, you know, in his mind, he still is going to go back to prison. Like I might as well make a run for it now. But when he sees him with the helmet off, I feel like there's that human connection there too. He's like, wow, he's really given up everything for this kid. And he runs into his rescue. You know, I mean, he goes in and rescues Din. Um, And then Mm -hmm. even says, I didn't see your face, you know, like uh, he really redeems himself in this. But, but in that moment, yes, the moment is about Din to me. Like he just, you know, uh, it, it, it's it's like the knee-jerk reaction of who do you love? Grogu, <laughs> you know? Um, so just no, no second-guessing that decision that he makes. No, none whatsoever. Um, and it, it has an effect on on Mayfeld. So um, everything everything comes down to that moment in this episode. Yeah. And it's it's perfectly done. Um so, so um, my yeah. favorite piece of music is not in the soundtrack, unfortunately. There's only like two pieces of music from this episode on the soundtrack, right? I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's very few. There's one. Well, there's one, two, three. There's three, but yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and and mine's just the action cue as they're escaping the uh, the bunker, the the, the base, like yeah. you know, after, once uh, once Mayfeld blasts. Uh, Valen has and then they have to make a break for it uh, you know once he gives Din his helmet back um, just it's just so fun it's an exciting action cue there's nothing really you know else to say about it but I, I, I love that I love the action cue I don't you know have much more to say about it but it's just my favorite piece of music from this episode I really like it too it's a, a kind of a runner up for me as well um, but like you said it's not on the score so 
which nope. kind of stinks. It is essentially just a version of the Mandalorian theme, um, but mm-hmm. it's kind of played a little bit more amped up. Like, again, it just it has you running with them. And I <laughs> love as they're climbing up the ladder and he says to Mayfeld, you know, hurry up or something. He goes, what the hell do you think I'm doing? <laughs> you know, we got to go. We got to go. What do you think I'm doing? Yeah. Yes. It's, yes. It's exactly. So good. Yeah. Um, but I gotta say my favorite musical moment, which also is not on the soundtrack, but I did cue it up because I wanted to hear it. It's the, I call it like the Imperial victory music. And it's when the TIE fighters show up to save the day. Um, it's such a great piece of music. Um, here it is. I love that part so much because of the music. Um, it, it's it's like this really uplifting, beautiful piece of music that gets you cheering for the Empire, right? I feel like it's the only time in all of Star Wars where I'm like emotionally tricked into cheering for the Empire <laughs> because of this music. Um, and, and I just, I love that moment so much. I love how it's... I wish it was on the score, but I also kind of love that I get to play the clip because I love Bill Burr's like, woo, <laughs> like it's, it's really great. Um, yeah, but yeah, I just, they're, they're in a lot of trouble right here. There's, they need someone to come in and rescue them. And of all, of all people, it's the empire. And right. Um, it's again, like, this is something I feel like maybe over time I'll, I want to talk about more just because I still feel like this, such a like an emotional dissonance from this moment because of the music like the music makes me so happy and it's so exciting and i love how even mayfeld says he's like never thought you'd be so happy to see a stormtrooper right yeah. like it's i feel like it's it, it is kind of this it's almost like it's breaking the the fourth wall there and, and talking to us like we just got tricked into cheering for the empire <laughs> so right but in a weird way like it's also a nice reminder that the empire are also people too like they're not all val and hess right um, right. You, so you have your, you have your Mayfelds in there too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You have folks with conscience um, and they care about each other to some degree too. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I just, uh, I love that music so much. It's, it's awesome. And I'm just so upset that it's not on the score. That's the <laughs> one piece more than any other that I'm like really ticked. It's not there. So I hope we get I, I don't an, blame you. Yeah. Hope we I get an blame. extended score at some point. <sighs> I need it. I need a complete score for this season, just like we got for season one. Yep. Anyway, huh. enough about that, because we got, I think we got the complete score for the final episode, um, at least pretty close to it. Close to uh, it, yeah. We definitely get the second half of the episode fully scored. Some of the beginning stuff's not there, but that's fine. Yeah. I feel like th- the final episode is... Kind of reminds me of Return of the Jedi in some ways that you have like two very different parts, like the opening and Jabba's palace is like a very distinct feel and atmosphere. And then the Battle of Endor, like it's just like they're totally different parts, but they're in the same movie. And I felt the same way about this finale. Like 
I'll be honest. The first 25 minutes of this episode is like just like a fine Mandalorian episode. I don't love it. I don't hate it, but it's just like, that's eh, fine. But the last like 20 minutes is just so perfect <laughs> that it really yeah. elevates the episode. Um, yeah. For me, again, that's my that's my opinion. Um, I mean, the beginning part's cool. Like, again, don't get me wrong. I don't dislike it, but it's the kind of the final 20 minutes that I felt like are the epic portion of the of the episode. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So. Um, shall I go with my theme Please. for this episode? Yes, of course. Oh, by the way, this is episode uh, chapter 16, The Rescue. Um, I don't know if we said that. Um, but my my theme for this episode is fulfilling his duty in all aspects Ooh. Uh, because Din he fulfills his duty. He fulfills the quest, the objective, but he also does the ultimate duty that a parent has to do mm-hmm. that only one other character in the entire star Wars saga that we have seen has done. Shmi Skywalker gave up her son and so does Din. Yeah. Because it's what they need. It's what they need. And it's, you know, the damn, it's the damn off. Jedi always stealing people away. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the few times I've ever been like pissed at Jedi before. So, but yes, yes, you're a hundred percent right. <laughs> it's, it, you know, I, I, I have a little bit of conflicting emotions about this one though. Uh, you know, I, I, I knew it was right for Anakin and I was totally fine with that happening with Anakin. But this is the one I'm like, I'm not sure this is the good one. I'm not sure this is the, I mean, yes, he needs to be able to learn how to use and control his powers. But is this really what needs to happen for these characters? Ultimately, I don't know. So depends yeah. on how they finish the season. Um <laughs> Yeah, um, but it's. I mean, I'm just going to reiterate your theme because I think that's exactly it. Is it's um, the completion of the quest and the ultimate gift of of selfless love, which is like you said, giving up his child for something better. Um, yeah. You know, for in order for Grogu to grow, um, grow further into what all of what he's capable of, he has to team up with the Jedi because, as it as. Din so sadly says at the beginning of chapter 14, the tragedy, you're too powerful. I can't train you. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just, it shows us once again, that Din is a person of his word. He follows through no matter what, right? Like his, his promise to what he was going to do for the child is the most important thing to him more than his religious code and creed and more than his own, um, self sense of security, you know, giving up Grogu is the hardest thing he's probably ever had to do and probably will ever have to do. Um, but he does yeah. it because that's what he promised to do. Um, you know, and, and this is again, why I love this character so much is to me, he's just the perfect example of what it, he's, he's a perfect example of a hero. A hero is someone who makes the hard choices specifically because they're hard, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I can at least speak for myself. That's that's a message I need to hear more and more in my life is that, you know, sometimes the things that we're supposed to do are the hardest things to do. Um, and that's easy to tell yourself when you're watching a story. It's another thing to actually have to do it. 
Boy, isn't that right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. Uh, so I'm, if you don't mind, I'm going to go right into my favorite moment because it ties in so, so much with this. Perfect. Um, and it's, I'm, it's the moment when he removes his helmet so that Grogu can touch his face. Um, oh, God. I, I can't watch that scene without crying. It's just a matter of how hard do I cry? <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. Um, like the, when I watched it the first time I was, I mean, I was in tears for like 20 minutes after the episode had ended. Um, every time I've watched it since I, again, different levels of crying. When I watched, when I finished watching my rewatch yesterday, I cried just as hard as I did the first time, probably cause the whole story was so just right there, fresh in my head after the, you know, I watched it all in basically three days, um, right. <clears throat> as opposed to eight weeks. Um, you know, it really, it really got to me again. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I don't have, I mean, I talked about it a bit on my little special episode last week. I talked about it, you know, earlier when Greg came on and we did a quick reaction episode. I don't have a ton to say other than it's the most beautiful, it, it, it might be the most beautiful moment in all of Star Wars to me at this point. Like if I'm being a hundred percent honest, um, there's lots of really great epic sad moments, but I don't know that there's anything quite as beautiful as this moment. Um, Shmi with Anakin is obviously awesome, but we don't get enough of Shmi and Anakin on screen to feel it as much as we do after two seasons of these characters being together. You know what I mean? So I just yeah. feel like you feel it more. Um, and and we really understand how much Din is giving up here and how much Grogu is saying goodbye to something, too. You know, it's hard for him as well, which is why he's seeking that permission. Um, yeah, because he doesn't really want to leave if Din can't handle it. Uh, right. So, yeah, I, I love that moment. Um, but uh, I'm curious, what's your favorite moment from this episode? God, that was so close. I went back and forth. There's like three or four moments in this episode that were vying for favorite. Um, it's it's absolutely ridiculous how good, especially the second half of this episode is. Um, but ultimately, I settled on confronting Gideon uh, mm. when, when Din opens up the brig and finds Gideon there with the dark saber over Grogu's head. Um, and just the, the conversation and the, the duel that happens after, you know, is it's, you know, that's, that's a pivotal moment. Things hinge and pivot on that, that moment. Um, and everything changes after that moment. Um, some of it changes good. Some of it changes bad, but everything changes at that moment. Um, but yeah, I love that 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 climactic point between these two characters, these characters that um, haven't had any direct con- contact with each other until this point. Um, but they are definitely uh, in each other's heads. Um, you know, obviously we we know that that Gideon is in uh, Din's head over you know taking the child back and and you know even ordering the the bounty on on Grogu to begin with um but we also know that Din is in Gideon's head after that message that he sent him in the end of the previous episode mm-hmm. um and and they are and he knows everything about Mando and he reveals that like pretty much everything he knows uh you know, even as so much to know, like, I know you've already fired your wrist rocket, your only salvo in your wrist rocket today. You know, like he is obsessed and he has to know everything and they're in each other's heads. And we finally, finally get them 
this confrontation point and it's good. It's very, very good. Yeah. So, yeah, it's great. Um, uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, and it's a great fight too between these two. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's great. Uh, I, I think it's a terrific, you know, it's a two very different styles, but it's a brutal fight and it's, uh, you know, with the level of finesse you'd expect from a professionally trained Imperial, uh, officer, you know, it's, it's, it's great. You see, you know? I actually see it as Gideon is actually quite terrible. Um, like he's just a hacker and slasher. Like he's just attacking with like this brute anger and, and strength. There's not well, a lot of true. finesse to his, his ability. Whereas Mando shows that he is someone who grew up training to fight. <laughs> like That's there true. is, there is like a, a I don't know, like, and I, I just feel like he, he owns the whole fight. Like, yes, Gideon gets a, you know, quick hit on him because he's got his back to him. But other than that, he takes control of that fight pretty quick. Um, so I'm not trying to say you're wrong, but I just, I just saw it differently. Like, I feel like Gideon is just wailing away, like doing what he thinks he's supposed to do. Whereas he shouldn't have done that. Cause <laughs> Din knows what's up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'd push back a little bit because I think he's got to have some sort of training in order to be able to oh, wield sure. it. Effectively. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, but, no, but you're right. It is it is definitely uh not as fluid, shall we say, as Din. So Yeah, for sure. Um, that's good. But yeah, um favorite piece of music, sir? Um well just my I mean honestly my favorite piece of music is uh the moment when he takes off his helmet and um <clears throat> says goodbye to Grogu, but I did kind of like this whole special episode last week specifically about that track called Open the Door. So I wanted to pick something differently. Um and it's the track A Friend, which is the music for when uh Luke shows up, which is his really cool guitar riff. This is mine. Alright, cool. I had a feeling it might be. You know, got like this DS era thing going on as Luke brings death to the Dark Troopers. Yes. So good. And like a really cool like choir under it too. Like something yeah. there's something very haunting about this moment. Yeah. It's it's unexpected. Nobody knows what to what's going on. Yeah. So as I let this kind of play for a second, Jason, let me ask you this. When did you know it was Luke? The green state. I mean, no. When it was a single X Wing. Okay, you, you, you knew that quick? Yeah. Okay. I was like, it has to be. You know, it, I was like, it has to be, right? Right? It has to be, and then the green saber. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah, I, the single X-Wing showing up was the only thing. That's the only one it could have been in my mind. See, so. so here's my, again, first viewing when they say, like, they see an X-Wing fly by, and she's like, oh, one X-Wing. I was like, oh, it's obviously that character we've seen a few times this season, right? Um played by the guy who basically turns Kara into a marshal. Um, mm. I can't remember the character's name um, or the actor for that, for that matter. But um, that's my initial thought was like, Oh, it's probably him. He's going to bring like reinforcements or something. But then when the music changes, um, I still didn't pick it up when it's just the X wing landing and the music changes. I'm like, wait a minute. Could they, could this be Luke? And then you get the shot of the, just the lone figure walking down the cloak. And I'm like, it's Luke. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Holy crap. Um, yeah. And then I was really like that because then I'm like, okay, well, who's it going to be? What's going to happen when he takes that hood off? And mm -hmm. 
I really thought they crushed it with the CGI for the most part. I don't think it's quite as perfect as what we got with Tarkin and Leia in Rogue One. Um, no, it's it's much more noticeably CGI to me, but it's good enough. Like and and yeah. for me personally, I don't want another actor playing Luke um, at this stage. Uh, when I had you know when my buddy Greg was on a few weeks ago to talk about the finale, Greg made a great point of that. You know, recasting a young Han Solo while risky was a little less risky because this is Han before we saw him in the movies, right? So it's a little less risky. But this is Luke just five years after Return of the Jedi. It'd be kind of tough. I know a lot of people throw around Sebastian Stan. I don't think he looks anything like Mark Hamill. I don't know what that people are saying. (laughs) But uh, I mean, I guess just because he's got dirty blonde hair and he's a white guy, like maybe they all look the same. But, you know, like... I think it's the chin, but I'm not sure. It's a, I, I still feel like it's a stretch. Like it doesn't I, look like I, Luke Skywalker to me, but um, I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. So I really like the, the, the choice that they made and that's why, and I, it gives me hope that we will see a little bit more of Luke in future projects. Again, I don't think we'll see a ton of him. We don't need to see a ton of him, but uh, it's cool to see that we can do something with Mark Hamill. Yes. Yeah, no, it was it was really great to to see that to have him back and to to watch you know uh, a Jedi master you know Luke Skywalker in action you know um, it was it was just amazing and I you know the the entire bridge is sort of like in awe and a little bit un, unsure of what's to what to expect and, and what's going on as they watch him progress through the, the security cameras and all that stuff. And, and I'm right there along with everyone, you know, it's like, it has to be Luke. It can't be anyone but Luke, right? Um, the, everything was confirmed for me when I saw the green lightsaber, obviously, mm-hmm. but, um, I was Gide- like, it, and Gideon is terrified. Yeah. yeah. It was all of a sudden he went from like, this is going to, I'm on top of everything. This is going, all my way uh, and then a jedi and his he turns white as a sheet um as as white as he can um but you can just see the 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 life drain from his face as he realizes what this is and you know it it's part of what fuels him to make that desperate last stand that ultimately fails completely um but yeah it's you know watching luke just progress through these dark troopers, you know, and cut them down like they're nothing like the Jedi of old with battle droids. It just, yeah, we've had an entire season, you know, two seasons of epic action, uh, of, of Mandalorians being the penultimate warriors, um, against pretty much anybody else. Uh, out there and then we just watch luke skywalker barely break a stride you know (laughs) barely you know as he works his way through the entire ship full of death troopers you know hardly a sweat and it's just impressive and you realize okay the jedi really are a whole other level and this is what it must feel like you know for people to be in dire straits and have a jedi show up to their rescue like this is it's incredible. And the music just plays into all of that. So I love it. Yeah. Yeah. This is almost my favorite moment of the episode too, but um, I decided not to go with it because I had it for my favorite music. There was no <laughs> doubt this was going to be my favorite piece of music. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, 
I got to say, um, or I think so many folks, this was like, wow, this is everything I've wanted, you know, for years. I finally get Luke like tearing it up and don't get me wrong. I love it, but I still got to say, it's not my favorite part of the episode because it's not Luke Skywalker's story. <laughs> like, no. and I, I, I don't mean to come across as, as rude or pretentious if this is your favorite part, because I totally get it. It's awesome. But it's the same kind of issue I take with folks who think that the best part of Rogue One is Darth Vader. Yeah. Um, like it's a really cool moment, but that movie is so good. It doesn't need that moment in this episode. I mean, you, yes, you did kind of need someone to come to the rescue here at the end. It needed to be someone epic. It could have been Ahsoka for all we know. Um, I'm glad it's not. I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's Luke because it wouldn't have made sense for it to be Ahsoka. Um, no. because she's already kind of rejected training Grogu. She's not going to be the one to go, to go in this moment. Um, but I got to say like, to me, like this moment of, of Din taking his helmet off and saying goodbye to Grogu, like to me, this is where, and again, maybe this is just a, again, a question of what kind of star Wars you prefer. Like rogue one. I love that beautiful, tragic ending of Jin and Cassie and holding each other. I don't need to see Darth Vader running or, you know, then run through the tan of four. It's cool. I didn't need it. And the same thing here is like, I love what Din chooses to do with Grogu and it's cool that Luke's there. Um, but it's not what sold me on the episode. Um, right. And that's why I was so, you know, comfortable with, with not having this as my favorite part of the episode because, um, it's, it's not Luke's story and, and it's the decisions and the motivations of, of Din and the crew and, and Grogu um, that really matter. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we knew he was trying to find a Jedi to, to hand Grogu over. That was the quest. That was the quest. And he needed to fulfill the quest. So we knew we had to have a Jedi at some point show up. Right. And uh, it makes sense that it's Luke at this point. Like, who else are you going to have, especially if Ahsoka is not training anyone? You yeah. know? Yeah. Um, she's still sort of an independent agent at this point. Right. Um, and so it kind of has to be Luke. There's really no other option at this point. So having that is amazing, but getting to that point and the, the impact of the decision to let Grogu go is the crux of this episode. Mm-hmm. You know, which is why, you know, I think your favorite moment and my favorite moment are are kind of the important bookends on either end of this 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 epic you know entrance of Luke Skywalker. So. Yes, and again, I don't I, I don't in any way mean to imply that if that's your if Luke's your favorite part that you're you're wrong. Like no, again, at the end of the day, all of Star Wars is subjective, so you're never wrong about what you prefer. Um, <laughs> right, but I I only bring it up because of you know sad to see so much just silly fighting in Star Wars fandom yeah. once again. I mean. This seems to be Star Wars fandom's favorite thing to do, which is, again, why more less and less get involved with any sort of social media because it's just such a toxic place. Um, uh-huh. But it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, and, and, you know, I've, I've got plenty of my own opinions about the folks taking up arms. Um, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like, it's, it, like, if this is something you really loved, awesome. But don't let something that you love be a reason to crap on something else. Cause that's too often what star Wars fans do these days. They're like, I loved this be- 
in it, you know, because that one sucked. Like, oh, episode nine was great, but because episode eight sucked, <laughs> like, you know, like um, Luke being awesome here was great because episode eight Luke isn't Luke. It's Jake. You know, it's just all these stupid, silly comments of, yeah. you know, like it, it, it's not about that. Like Luke being there to me made perfect sense. It's brilliant that it's Luke. It perfectly feeds into uh, a 25 year later Luke who rejects that part of himself because he ultimately was wrong about the way he was going about doing things, which I think makes sense. Um, but they're not mutually exclusive characters at all. <laughs> so oh, no, uh, I mean, he, you know, to, to just address that just slightly, um, he says he became a legend. Yeah. Uh, here, here he is Alaska. living into that. And here is part of that legend being built. You know, it's moments like this that create a legend. Um, so, and he's got, you know, like you said, 25 years before yeah. he gets to the point that he's at in The Last Jedi. So, um, but yeah, I, please, folks, if you prefer something, enjoy it. You know, have fun. You know, we love hearing why something is your favorite in Star Wars. But if you're going to use that to just bludgeon people who disagree with your favorite, then go sit in a corner and put yourself in carbonite. Um, <laughs> like that's all you know. All that's good for at this point anymore. If you're going to just uh, you know use it to win points with your own little crowd on social media, and you know, then you're you're no good to the rest of the fandom. Yeah, I'm sorry. I yeah. really, I, I, I don't like saying that, but it, it really is pointless and stupid and un, unworthy of the Star Wars that we all love. Mm-hmm. So, well, and I think these are the perfect example of people who don't understand Star Wars. <laughs> so they just they don't get Star Wars, um, yeah. and 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 I mean that. Like, if you think. Star Wars in some way entitles you to belittle and bully people. You didn't get Star Wars, dude. <laughs> like you don't get it at all. <laughs> and you're so, the empire. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, um, yeah. So obviously like, you, you know, Jason, you and I, we're not big social media people. Obviously I use it more than you do, but it's not our, it's not our bread and butter. And I'm happy to say that the majority of folks who interact, I would, I would say pretty much 99% of the folks who interact with us on social media are wonderful folks who are always positive. Um, and, and being positive doesn't mean that you can't say you didn't like something, right? It, that's, I, I want to right. maintain a difference there. Like there are things about star Wars I don't like, but I don't feel the need to hate on them or use something that I like to then attack something I don't like. Um, again, I mean, I made it kind of clear earlier in the episode, like I wasn't nuts about Ahsoka being there. I felt like she kind of overtook the story, but I'm not going to like belittle that point or like, you know, kind of go on exhaustively about like, why I don't think it was that, that, you know, why it didn't work for me or something. It is what it is. Like I said, why it didn't work for me, but I'm just going to move on. And cause lots of other things did. (laughs) So (laughs) exactly, you know, um, and, and you know, like. I, I'm glad to say, Jason, obviously our our Star Wars community is much smaller than a lot of other Star Wars communities out there that are that are, you know, garnered by other podcasts or media groups. And I'm fine mm-hmm. with that. Um, 
and uh, you know, I think we've got a, a really great group of folks that uh, interact and, and play along to star Wars with us. And, and we appreciate all of you. And, you know, it's important to just be positive and to love what you love. Um, obviously with the honesty to be able to be critical. I mean, being critical isn't, doesn't mean you're negative, right? <laughs> I don't think, you know, right. don't go so far to think that like, Oh, he didn't like that. He's a negative star. No, no, not necessarily. It's just what, what do you choose to do with it? You know? Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I think sad to say that, in light of the final episode, we once again had to deal with more Star Wars wars, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, which to me are just exhausting and stupid. So, yes, they are. They um, are. And they usually are created by people that just want clicks. So just keep that in mind. You know, mm. they're not really trying to serve your appreciation of Star Wars. They're serving their own ends. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of them have places that are created through ad content. So just remember they're making money off of you. <laughs> so they make money by getting you to click on them. So just keep that in mind. Like don't give them that power. So that's yeah. all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Anyway, I think we, we've had, we've said our piece about that. Absolutely. All in all though, Carl season two of the Mandalorian wrapping up final thoughts on this season right now for now <laughs> yeah, if, for now and again we're gonna be coming back to things from this season a lot in the coming year um yeah. but i it, honestly jason it, it did what i really hoped it would do which was essentially just delve deeper into the story of din and grogu and him having to deal with things calling into question his beliefs and his understanding mm -hmm. of himself just like a middle chapter is supposed to do, right? That's what Favreau said the season was going to be about. And I feel like it delivered beautifully and perfectly. It overlapped with other parts of star Wars that I think are incredibly fun. Um, and it, the way the season ends now, I'm just like, Whoa, what do we do with a third season? So it, it makes me extra excited and super sad that we have to wait till 2022. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, it's not, out the end of this year no so book of boba fett will come out at the end of 2021 and then um season three won't premiere till probably february or march of 2022 so oh i missed that yeah oh, dear. so we got a bit to wait unfortunately uh, so basically you know about a year from now we'll start talking mandalorian season three then oh lovely yeah <sighs> yeah sad faces all right well at least we've been left with a lot to chew on until then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> For sure. For sure. What, uh, how about your final thoughts? Gosh, this was amazing. This was an amazing second season. Uh, it took a show that I didn't expect to impress me uh, as much as it ended up doing with the first season and just elevated it beyond my wildest expectations. Um, it's, it is fast climbing in my my favorite star wars you know content right now and it, yes it's part of that is because it's new um i'm not going to lie I, I am caught up in the the moment of it all um but it really is quality star wars and some amazing stuff um that i'm i'm thoroughly enjoying um so it's it's absolutely terrific um and the the ending that it left us on is very, very curious to see how they're going to um, move forward. Obviously, we're going to get the you know, the Mandalore stuff, and we are still left with Bo-Katan 
needing that dark saber um if she's going to you know retake mandalore or is he going to retake mandalore um who knows you know plus if season three is going to be sort of return of the jedi ask are we going to get a return of grogu i think so but not immediately yeah yeah, so. I think so too. So just for just for the fun of it, I threw up a, a poll on Twitter and our Instagram uh, just the other day, just to see, you know, just to ask folks, you know, do you think there can still be a compelling story for season three if Grogu's not a major player? And the vast majority said yes, um, and I think so too. Um, mm-hmm. I actually think uh, Din would make a better ruler of Mandalore than Bo-Katan, because in a weird way, while at the end of the season we see him shed some of the. Uh, archaic belief systems that aren't serving him so so that he can be a better person. Bo-Katan seems to be really caught up in old traditions and not able to let go. So I feel like Din's a better leader than she might be. So She is, you know, she is so desperate to retake uh, Mandalore that um, her own pursuit of that has turned into a pursuit of the power to rule Mandalore as well. And uh, I think she's getting a little bit blinded by that. So same here. And it's important, important to remember Bo-Katan was a part of death watch. And I, that's something too. I want to see explored is, is because obviously death watch isn't the same as children of the watch. I feel like children of the watch are an extremist group that broke off of that. Yes. Um, but right. Death watch becomes like splintered too, because some of them stay loyal to Maul, and then obviously some leave with Bo-Katan. So again, I'd love to learn more about that backstory, but um, you know, yeah. So I, I just feel like it, it, that, that, that in and of itself to me is, is a compelling story to explore in season three. Yeah. So. yeah there's a, there's a lot to, to build off of and, you know, Gideon's still alive. So yeah, he's dead. so who knows if he's, I mean, he's going to be involved in some way, shape or form, at least a little bit because he's the one who took Mandalore, isn't he? Yeah. So, well, he was in charge. I don't know if he personally took it, but yeah, he was, he was in charge of the Mandalorian purge. So yeah, yeah. So we'll have to see what happens with him moving forward. Uh huh. Uh huh. But all right, there you go. There are just some of our early, well, somewhat generalized thoughts on the season as a whole. Um, yeah. But uh, like I said at the beginning, we have a poll for all of you, and Jason, what is that poll? Well, uh. We want to know what is your favorite episode from season two of The Mandalorian. Um, I'm going to have to do some serious consideration on this. I know, Carl, you've already mentioned yours. I don't have a favorite yet. At least I haven't figured out which one is my favorite yet because there are so many that have, um, you know, fantastic moments and mm-hmm. story beats that I, I got to do some serious thinking before next week's episode. Um, so I'm interested to see what everyone else says. Same here. Yeah. But Carl, if people want to weigh in on our poll or just respond to any of the conversation that we had tonight about, uh, season two of the Mandalorian, where can people do that, sir? Uh, we are on Twitter at Wampas Lair, Facebook, Wampas Lair podcast, Instagram, the underscore Wampas Lair. You can email us at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com and you can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash wampaslair. Excellent. Thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode. Anything else, Carl, you got before we close this down? This is the way. This is the way.
This has been episode 409 of the Wampus Lair podcast, Mandalorian Season 2 recap. For Carl, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampus Lair. <laughs>